0: Happily ever after. We this kind of insinuates that once you say I do, you're gonna live happily ever after. And if it isn't happily ever ever after all the time, uh uh-oh, I must have married the wrong (laughs) one.
1: Welcome to the Danielle Hage Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Hage. Danielle is my mother-in-law and Nini to my three girls. She is pastor, speaker, and founder of Dynamic Traits. She has 40 years experience in family and marriage relationships. She's been married to Steve Hage for 43 years. He travels the world preaching the gospel and together they pastor a church in Laguna Niguel, California. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Today Thank we're you. talking about um, widely held beliefs. So, eleven yes. marriage myths that people <laughs> that people have.
0: Right. Um,
1: so, we're going to go through those eleven myths and yes. how to debunk them yes. today. Yes. We're going to tell you the
0: truth, <laughs> the truth about marriage. After forty-three years of experience and 13, 13. 15, 13, 13 years yes. of experience, I mean, Courtney's which 15. is a lot. A lot of people don't even make it ten years <laughs> these days. So, you're, you guys are doing good. All right. And you can tell me, too, as a younger person, you know, 20-something years younger than me, if you believed any of these growing up, okay? Because I know I did. I know I did. And I was definitely raised on Disney, you know, in the Cinderella and all the fairy tales. Find your prince. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, so marriage myth number one is I got to find the one. As if there's one person out of 8 billion people on the earth that is a perfect match for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. And that's just not true. And it kind of leads to an uh, attitude of scarcity, like, oh no, oh no, if I don't find the one, there might be an, or an attitude of scarcity, like, I'm doomed if I don't find the one, or how do I know this is the one? Because what if there's someone better? Yeah. So you're never going to actually make that commitment because I have a friend who's mm-hmm. in well into her 60s now, and she said she'd been, um, Proposed to more than once, mm-hmm. you know, in her 20s and 30s. Mom. And she always thought, but there might be someone better. There might be someone. <laughs> she never got married. Yeah. And yeah. still isn't. And I think she's kind of kicking herself. Yeah. Like thinking. And she also had drank the Kool-Aid about the feminist thing that m- being married is cop-out. Yeah. It's a cop out for women, hmm. kind of thing. She told me that recently. Yeah, but um, anyway, so there's more than one person that's a fit for you. Yeah, there's going to be more than that. one person, and that's why you see people who maybe they have been were married for a long time, and maybe their spouse died, and then they find a new mate, yeah. and they are feel as much in love as they were with the spouse that had had passed away. Yeah. So there's definitely more than one person. Do you feel like it's more about compatibility? Yes. Finding somebody
1: you're compatible yes, with. Yes. You could be compatible with so many. Yes. Not so many people. I mean, obviously, you yeah. choose
0: one. Right. We can be compatible yeah. with. We have chemistry with more yeah. than one person on the earth. We have better com- or as good a communication yeah. with more than one person. And we could be compatible. And there's and still things with the one you choose who you still have to work,
1: work right things with. It's right. not going to be all fairytale. And,
0: and some women, and I've actually. Dealt with this. I, I don't know if this goes with this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. I remember um, a woman saying, oh, she liked a guy. And then he would send her a text. And she would always call me and say, okay, okay, this is what he said. What should I say back? She's because she's afraid she's going to mess it up. I, I don't want to mess it up. Uh, like, I want to. Yeah. And and I, I remember saying to her, well, what do you want to say back? Well, I would say. And I'd say, say that. Say that yeah. Because well, I don't want to blow it. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. Yeah, <laughs> if he's the one, <laughs> you can't blow it with the right person. Yeah, you're right because he, he or she, they're gonna love even your idiosyncrasies, your faults, your flaws, or they're
1: gonna find out very quickly after marriage when crap, it's the when fan you're that not that's perfect. Not who you are. <laughs> Exactly. That's not how you re- respond.
0: Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so I would just always encourage like people like that. Like, say what you want to say. You know, be real. Be authentic. Yeah. Be, if being your most authentic self is going to scare somebody away, scare them away quick. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Be as authentic as you can be from the get-go. And scare them away fast. If you can scare them away, they need to go away.
1: That's why I think meeting somebody in an activity that you like to do or an environment that you enjoy being in where you are your authentic self, I think it's by the grace of God that Chris and I were friends for three years before we were romantic and decided to get married. Because with a friend and a friend group, you aren't afraid to be yourself. You know, you are your authentic self, your quirks, your your highs, your lows, they kind of see all those valleys and seasons that you go through as a friend. And then it's not a surprise and you're not trying to put on this mask when you
0: start to date. Yeah. The only time you're not being your Authentic self is when you're trying to win somebody's yeah. approval, you want to be liked by that, even with friends a lot of times, until you get to know people and they get to know you. But, you know, a lot of times you're on your best behavior when you maybe get into a new friend group or make a new friend because you you so desperately want their approval and their respect and, yeah. and then to think you're really cool. Um, and especially if you're looking for the one or a romantic um, um, endeavor with somebody, mm-hmm. We tend to want to be on our best behavior. And I'm not saying be on your worst behavior. behavior just be you. Authentic. Be who Authentic
1: you are. Authentic and vulnerable. Yes. I think a micro-myth of this, too, of the one is, I don't know if I necessarily believed there was the one, but there was a lot of talk, especially through my 20s, with girlfriends of, did I let the one go? Ah, and I think yeah. one of the micro-myths is the grass is greener on the other side. Right. And really, with anybody that you have compatibility with, and you choose to create a life with, because you're going to grow. Whether you get married in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you're going to continue to grow together. And the grass is greener where you water it. Right. You know, no matter who you choose to have in that pasture with you, um, or if the one let go and you, you know, you married somebody else, whatever, it's going to be the grass is not greener on the other side. That's right. That one, that fairy tale marriage did not slip away from you. It wasn't God's timing. You're, yeah, you know you need to put in
0: with what you have right now. That's right. Okay, so number two marriage myth is happily ever after. We this kind of insinuates that once you say I do, you're going to live happily ever after, mm. and if it isn't happily ever, ever after all the time, uh oh. I must've married the wrong one. Mm -hmm. I didn't pick the right one because now we're having problems, which is so silly. Of course there's gonna be struggles. Of course there's gonna be conflict. You're bringing two people together from that have been raised completely different by different parents, had different modeling, and they did the best they could do with what they had to raise you and they put into you all kinds of stuff. And then you have to match up what you know with somebody else's what they know And a lot of times it doesn't match up. You're doing the best with what you got. Or you just don't know what conversations
1: to have before getting married. You know, you could be, for example, Christian was raised with a stay-at-home mom, and you were there for them. I was raised with a mom who worked. And even though we had those conversations and knew our backgrounds were a little bit different and respected that, we didn't know how that was going to play out in marriage until we had children, went through some job things, went through some transitions. There's no way we could— 50, figure it all out. Yeah. See that <laughs> ahead, of, ahead time. of time. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. So so just know happily ever after is um, I mean, I think every people go into marriage believing that they're 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 going to be married forever, right? That's why we make that commitment. That's yeah. why we sign the papers. We we have a covenant with them. Um, but not everything is always gonna be happy, and that's okay. It's it's just human nature, it's human behavior, learning to work and and deal with the people that we're married to. It's not even so much like, oh, I married the wrong one. It's about learning to love the one that you did choose. Yeah. Learning to love the one that you married. Cause you're gonna, after marriage, you're gonna find out all kinds of new things about them. Even though you think you know each other so, so well, before yeah. when you actually live together and you're married, and then you start making purchases, buying homes and cars and work and having children, all those things cause, our cause for new communication
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and um, new learning patterns. how to deal. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. maybe you weren't disciplined the way that, you know, I was disciplined as a kid. And yeah. so we have to learn, how are we going to raise our kids? Yeah. What are we going to be the the ground rules? How are we going to discipline them? Hopefully you'll have a lot of those conversations before marriage because that's really important.
1: Yeah. But, but and, some of them you just don't, I mean, again, you just don't know how to. Yeah. It's hard to cover all to the bases. Them. Yeah. Or even like, up. I mean, another thing that's come up to us is is what type of house do we want to live in? Where do we want to live? Are we city people? Are we country people? Are we yeah. in the middle suburban? I mean, which seems so moot and like, I don't care. I'm so in love. I'll, I'll follow him wherever. <laughs> right. Until it comes time right. to actually. And you guys
0: met in the city. Yeah. That's where yeah. your stomping grounds but were in the city. Like,
1: you know, you're so in love and it's just like, I, I wherever care. we go, I'll follow him. You know, and it's like, oh no, I actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have some opinions about this. Right, right. And how that all lines up. So right. do you, have you, Met couples, counseled couples, been around couples who are preparing so much for the wedding that they are missing some of those yellow flags, those red flags during that engagement period where they're so focused on the wedding and they're not preparing for the marriage. I've heard that before.
0: Huh. Well, I think if they get married really fast, you know, before they really know each other, that could could be a problem where, yeah, okay, he's the one. She's the one. We're going to get married. Now start planning the wedding Mm -hmm. and before. Like, I believe that you need to go through two full seasons of knowing somebody at least. Like, two years. You've gone through every season. Some people say go through three years. Yeah. Um, Before. I mean, I had 18 months with my husband. Yeah. And then we got married. My daughter, uh, first daughter… You guys, you two knew each other
1: did, already
0: yeah. for three years, yeah, right? Yeah. My first daughter dated a guy for three years before yeah. they got married. Because you really need to get to know each yeah. other in all the different aspects of life. How do they treat people? How yeah. are they around my friends? Yeah. How do they treat me when I'm around his friends? Right, like, right. how is it with the parents and the, the, the siblings? Like, yeah. you need to see a person, their they true colors in yeah. all those different mm-hmm. aspects of That's life. That's good. Yeah. All right. um, Number three is love at first sight. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I I remember um, talking to one man, and I always ask men when I do my seminars, and I have a panel of men, and I always say, "Do you believe in love at first sight?" And some people really, really, really do Mm -hmm. believe that. One man I thought it was so great. He said, "Oh yeah, it happens to me like seven or eight times every single day." (laughs) Yeah. Meaning he is it's (laughs) lust at first sight. He's seeing attractive women, and it's like, "Oh, I'm in love," but that's not real. You can't. Really fall in love with someone just by looking at their appearance. Yeah, you've got to get to know them. Like physical attraction, yes, you can be attracted mm-hmm. sexually or physically just looking at their appearance. Yeah, but for the emotional attraction to kick in, which is the glue that keeps yeah. a relationship yeah. together, you got to get to know them, all the different aspects, all yeah. the different sides of them, to see if you are emotionally attracted to them. And a lot of times, when you start to get the, to know them in beneath the surface, it will either enhance the physical attraction you already have or it will dim yeah <laughs> the physical attraction. Because yeah. how many of you have met um a person thinking, oh, they're so good looking, get to know them and their personality right. sucks. Right. Or yeah. they're or not, you're just kind. not compatible. Or, or there's no yeah, yeah there's no yeah.
1: spark there. Yeah. Um we've talked a lot, we've had several podcasts where we've talked about attraction, yeah. Men to women, women mm-hmm. to men, and the different types, types of, attraction. of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, if you buy into that myth, especially as a woman, because a lot of times attraction grows. Yes. You know, we get emotionally bonded. We we fall in love with activity and, you know, how we're treated and being cherished. Yeah. And then sometimes that physical attraction um, develops over time. Yeah. yeah. So I think as women, if we buy into that belief, you're missing out on yes. a good man because yes. you, you are thinking it's just going to be who the first guy I see or the yeah. guy that I see and I- Fall in love with him. We met eyes, and
0: I I, I talk to women all the time. I have a lot of single women friends who are on dating sites, Mm -hmm. and they'll say, "I'm just not attracted to anybody." And Mm -hmm. I'll say, "Don't let that stop you. If you're just initially looking at him, unless you're just disgusted or repulsed by how he looks, like you need to give it a chance, have a conversation, get to know them, because there might be something about his personality that sparks something something in you." I was not attracted to my husband physically. When I first met him at all, it, there was nothing. And it wasn't until we became friends, we started hanging around in some, it, with s- different groups of people together that I would, was just kind of observing him and going, oh my gosh. Like I became interested more yeah. and more interested in him because I started getting to know his personality, his sense of humor, um, his I- intellect. And I could not believe how, suddenly I became physically attracted to him because it was doing something emotionally to me. And then all of a sudden he became so handsome, so good looking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is so weird. (laughs) But it's a real thing. That's a real thing. So yeah, love at first sight, I do believe, is a myth. Yes. All right, number four, all you need is love. If you love each other, you can work through anything. (laughs) I would love to believe that. I would really love to believe that. But you need more than love. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Love is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a behavior. Yeah. It's a decision. It's a commitment. You're not going to wake up every morning, five years, two years, down the road after marriage and feel that in love sensation that you felt, that yeah. you forked high, that you have once upon a time felt. Because... Because it fades. It doesn't mean the love has faded, but the feeling, that kind of passionate feeling mm-hmm. does, the chemistry fades yeah. over time. That's why love is a decision. You mm-hmm. choose to love a person yeah. through thick and thin, you know, yeah. till death do us part for in better and for, for worse and for better. Yeah. You make those decisions to love. Even at our, we were having a conversation this morning mm-hmm. at mine and Steve's lowest point in our marriage about, I don't know. I mean, we had some low points over the years, but probably our lowest point. I, when I was so angry at him, I felt like I hated him. I still loved him. Yeah. I knew I loved him. I loved this man. Although I was really ticked. <laughs> and he's probably felt those same things toward me. But I knew that if we could just wait it out, you know, that those feelings come back. And and then of course you do things to keep the passion alive. You know, you you do plan romantic outings and getaways and and You got to work on it. You got to do things. You get, you know, do we did a whole podcast on how to keep the spark alive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, love, love. Our what was the one? All you need is love. I believe there's you need communication. Okay. You need, um, compatibility. You, you need other things to enhance that. That bond, okay? It's, it's going to take more than just love. Yeah. Um, when and there's it, different types of love. Yeah, different. You know, there's There's like, four different types. Yeah, yeah. the,
1: the er, eros, is that how you yeah, say Yeah, that's it? the
0: sexual, sensual okay. love that draws you yeah. together to begin with, yeah. that eros love. Okay. And then what's another And the then one? there's storge. Storge. Yeah. Yes, and that's the fami- fam- family love. Okay. The love you have for your siblings, your parents, gotcha. your cousins, yeah. you know, that family yeah. type of love, your children.
1: Yep. And then there's… Filio, fileo, fileo,
0: and that is like friendship, like bros, you know, girlfriends, gotcha. the love you have for, for people yeah. around you that you you have a deep connection with as friends.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's agape love. Agape love, and that's the love that
0: covers all. That's yeah. like yeah. how God loves the world, how God loves each and every person, which really needs to be—we get to. We need to get to the place where we can have that agape love for people, especially yeah. for our spouses. Yeah. Even when they're bugging us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like that I had that agape love for my husband, even at our Mm -hmm. lowest times, because I know how I'm loved by God and I'm able to share that with people around me and especially people that get so the best (laughs) marriages
1: who have made it through some of these valleys that you're talking about is it that multifaceted love? Do we do we strive? I I don't know if strive is the right word, but do we strive for all four of those multifacets of love, or is it really like agape kind
0: of? Is the… Encompasses mm-hmm, all of them. The I umbrella think so Because, you know, when you have that Eros love with yeah. your your spouse, um, eventually when that kind of starts to fade, yeah. it turns into that friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, and people will even say, marry someone that you are best of friends with. Yeah. That you just so enjoy. I tell
1: Christian that all the time.
0: Their company. <laughs> yeah. That you just… And I, I got… It became… When that started fading with Steve and I, um, that the whole passion thing… We were such good friends. We could talk for hours upon yeah. hours. Like we had, I don't know. We had that. Well, there's an intimacy to that as well. There, yeah, you know, and if yeah. you're, if you truly
1: find intimacy in that, I right. mean, that's that's fulfilling as well. Right. I think it
0: so. You have the sexual love for your spouse. Yeah. You have the the friendship love yeah. for your spouse. You have the the is it. The j famil- the fam- or the, the family love, because mm-hmm. he's yeah. your husband, yep. and then the agape is, is yeah, mm-hmm. is the basic love. Even, even if you weren't to make it, and you were to get divorced, yeah. you could still have that agape love, yeah. which a lot of people like. That's part of the grieving of a breakup mm-hmm. in a relationship. Is they feel like they're not going to be loved anymore, or they can't love that person. You can break up with the person and still love them. Yeah. It's just maybe it's it's not going to work. You're not with a, some boundaries. a fit or a match. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. That's good. So those, right. those create like a beacon of hope. Yes. too. Yes. when you're, when the feeling, when the feeling is like, Ugh, Not there. I can't stand you. I don't want to be in the same room right, <laughs> right. now. But the true love that you can yeah. develop is a beacon of hope to get you through those. Yes. Absolutely. That's good. All right.
0: Number five. Uh, honeymoon grace period. This is like, you hear a lot about this. You you hear this said, or you see it in the movies that, you know, after you say I do, the minute you say I do, then there's this honeymoon grace period. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear people say, oh, you're newlyweds. Oh, you're still on your honeymoon. You've only been married six months, or you're only a year old in your marriage, right? (laughs) And really what... The honeymoon grace period is that nothing's gonna go wrong. We're gonna live happily ever after. It's the beginning of happily ever after. But and then once there's a problem, it's like, ah, the grace period's over. Yeah. But really, the grace period is only lasts as long as it takes for that euphoric state of feeling (laughs) to fade. (laughs) Yeah. And then people get nervous. When that starts to fade, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not in love anymore. Mm. Uh oh! I fell out of love. When I hear yeah. people say, "Well, I just didn't love them anymore," I I want to say you don't understand what love is. Yeah, you chose not to love them anymore. Yeah, so you divorced. It wasn't mm-hmm. that you, you know, because i I could if I if love was based on feeling, I would say I don't love my husband. Mm. I don't love you. I don't love you know. I don't love anybody. If it was based, but if it's based <laughs> on commitment. Yeah. Then, yeah, yes, I've committed. I'm committed to my family, right. I'm committed to my friends, I'm committed to my husband. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, all right. Number six that's a good one. If I marry for money, I'll be happy. Mm. I need to find a rich, rich, successful man. Yeah, that's the only way I'm going to be happy. I don't and I about that. see that yeah. all over social media right now. Mm. And I just think it's a joke. I yeah. think it's a joke because, number one, a rich, super successful man probably is a workaholic. Maybe not always. I know there's exceptions. And they spend a lot, a lot of time making money, <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I've even heard it said by a psychologist that rich, successful men are the ones that get cheated on by their wives mm. because they're so busy at they're work. Unavailable. They're unavailable. Yeah. They, you know, they can't meet her needs emotionally because she, they're never there. Yeah. They're never around because all they do is work, work, work. Okay. And so this little wife at home that doesn't have to work because he makes all the money, she's bored. Lonely. She's got no purpose. She's not. Yeah. And so she's might be open to, you know… The flattering, flattering tongue yeah. of somebody else. So, and I again, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you if you marry somebody who makes a lot of money. I'm just saying it if may that's not the reason all be what yeah. it's yeah set up to be.
1: Well, and it's it's a never ending hole. So yeah. if you marry for money, you're marrying at a certain status. It's like if I have this, then I'll be happy. Right. If I have this, then I'll feel right. content. Well. That's just an ongoing chase because right. really, if it you're chasing, ends. yeah, yeah, if you're chasing the money. If you're you're chasing things, you're chasing what can I get with that? Right. And that those things get old. The cars, right? You get rust bored and get old. The, yeah, you know they the furniture goes out of style. Like what is it? Then you're constantly chasing this something. Dr- this that dream isn't truly yeah. fulfilling. It's a
0: counterfeit yeah. form of contentment. Yeah. Yeah, I need more and more and more. It's only going to keep me content for a certain amount of time, and then i got to go to the next level. Yeah. And here's the other thing. What if your rich, successful, hardworking husband loses it all? Yeah. You know how many people lose mm-hmm. their kingdom after some years because something goes wrong in our world? Like, we lost everything. Yeah. Three homes, all our cars, um. Pretty much our whole bank account in 2008. And it wasn't because of anything we really did wrong. It was because of the um, what that was happening downturn. in our world yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah, it was just like we went into this kind of almost a, like a repression, depression, I think is what they, or mm. not a depression, but a repression, what they called it, and where everybody's loans were up, house yeah. loans were upside down. And if I had married my man for money, You know, I I would be like, okay, done, (laughs) because he can't provide. He's not providing what what I what he wants provided. Um, But we made it through that those times because I loved him for who he was, not for what he could provide for me. And so, money comes and money goes. And so, if you marry for more than just money, you've got something to take you through those hard times.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's something to be said for building together.
0: Absolutely. You've talked about the
1: stages of men on different podcasts. Yeah. And. starting with not much not much yeah. and building together and that's right building your kingdom together yeah um, and
0: and we we started young and we were in it together Steve and I were going full-time into ministry and family and we built together some some men are you know they want to build their kingdom and then move their wife in move their their queen in after they have their mm-hmm. kingdom and that just depends on on the man
1: yeah okay so we're gonna pause right there we've gone through uh six. Of the marriage myths. So do you want to recap for us real quick what those six marriage myths are that we talked about today?
0: Yes. Okay. So number one, the one, as if there's only one. Number two, happily ever after. Number three, love at first sight. Four, all you need is love. Five, the honeymoon grace period, that blissful, magical period after I do. And number six, if I marry for money, I'll be happy so
1: good so good it was awesome today we're going to talk about five more on the next episode next week one that I'm really looking forward to is all others will be ugly after I say I do (laughs) I think that's the last one we're going to talk about so five more next time if you enjoyed today's episode make sure you subscribe share it with somebody hit the notification bell so that you know when that next episode is coming at you and it helps if you leave a comment or any questions down below and make sure you follow Daniil on Instagram and Facebook